0: Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Takes a lot to change, man. Hell, it takes a lot to try. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Bé-lienge,
1: balayage, balayage, what? Balayage?
2: balayage, like the hair? Yeah. Balayage. It means what? Like shades.
1: Sh- oh, oh it's like ombre
2: means shade. It's a color thing. It's like when the. Oh, I thought it was
1: like a texture thing.
2: No, no, balayage is when like the lower part of the hair is lighter than the top. Oh, like that kind of balayage faded out root. Yeah, like balayage would, is like. Yeah,
1: exactly. I love learning new words, so thank you for that. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 207 of The Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast of my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. I should say welcome back, because it's a whole new season of shows, gang. October has arrived, the trees are slowly starting to turn color, baseball playoffs have started, and the grocery stores are filled with candy in portions just small enough to make you think it's okay if you eat five of them. I'm not judging. As for the mischief at hand, I am super excited because there are so many great films coming out this fall to talk about on the show. And a lot of great guests stopping by too, starting with today. So the neat thing about getting married is that you inherit a whole bunch of badass <laughs> friends that you're partnering along the way and they become your friends without any effort or, or awkwardness. Uh, and and you find out you have things in common and hey, new friend. Today's guest is one of the very best things about my marriage that isn't actually Part of my marriage. She's a clever lass, a talented actress, a stellar singer, an amazing friend. Lisa Ferreira is here. How are you, Lisa Ferreira?
2: After that intro, I am pretty awesome. That <laughs> is the best intro I've ever heard. Was wow, this is
1: the best wedding gift ever. Thank you, you didn't even come.
2: <laughs> and I will, I will likewise say that the best thing about one of your best friends getting married is that you inherit their awesome partners.
1: It's, it's like the whole Seinfeld wardrobe joke. About like if you're, if you're homosexual and you get married to somebody who's about your size, you double your wardrobe. Yes, yeah. It's like that. You get a whole bunch of yeah, new friends. Yeah, it's amazing. Just then no pressure to split up because it's like, well, you lose a whole bunch of people too. <laughs> True. You know. Uh, two quick things before we get going on the new show. First of all, during the hiatus, um, I did a guest spot on another show, uh, Jamie Dew's, Songs of Strength. Jimmy Dew has a whole series called A Show of Strength, which is a podcast series dedicated to all things mental health. Uh, songs of Strength is an offshoot of that, uh, talking about the way music and songs can be a guide and an outlet in that regard. Um, several of you have already listened and been amazing in your comments and your support. Uh, if you haven't listened yet, though, uh, there will be a link in the show notes. Do consider um, giving it a listen. Did you listen? Yes. No, you didn't.
0: No, I didn't.
1: Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. Secondly, I'm happy to report that the matinee cast is now on Spotify. It only took me three months of trying. So while I give thanks to Andrew Robinson for breaking the case wide open, might I suggest that any Spotify users go to the show notes where you can find a link to subscribe. And, and, and you've already subscribed, right? Mm-hmm. Not uh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> You're terrible <laughs> a liar. On episode 207, we will be discussing A Star is Born, all three modern versions. Uh, but first, we need to learn more about Lisa. This is Know Your Enemy.
0: It takes a lot to change your plans. Hell, a train to change your mind. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die.
1: Okay, for the love of God, let me shut up for a while. Uh, Lisa Ferreira, what is the first film you can remember seeing in a theater?
2: So I had to confirm with my parents um, because I remembered it being Muppets. Okay. And when I looked up when the Muppet movie came out, I was sure it was that, but it was 1979, so I was only a year. So I thought that's pretty young. Mm -hmm. So I confirmed with my mom it was The Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, wow. 1984. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. So do you remember anything about the experience?
2: I just remember... Seeing the Muppets on the big screen, and I was always a super big Jim Henson, like Labyrinth, even like little David Bowie in those white pants. <laughs> I don't know why my mom thought that was appropriate, but <laughs> I'm happy for it. <laughs> it's probably shaped who I am today. Um, but I, 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 I hear remember that a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I do. I remember Muppets. I remember E. T. more as a movie from my childhood. That, oh, yeah. and I mentioned that to my mom, like if we saw that in the theater or not. And she said we had watched it at a friend's house who had like a, kind of a movie room, and they had a projector, right. and it was like a big thing.
1: Which also wasn't a thing when we were younger. Now yeah. I feel like the the home theater or the man cave or whatever. I think that's a that's become this add on that a lot of people have that they didn't yeah. even just like 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and was that? Do you remember anything about actually going? That wasn't here. You didn't grow up in Toronto. No,
2: it was in Reading, Pennsylvania. What? Yeah. No. Did you grow up there? I moved around a lot. I I was born in Scarborough, moved to Edmonton, moved to Pennsylvania, moved to Delaware, moved back to Pennsylvania, moved to a Cree reservation in northern Manitoba. I was
1: going to say, I had Manitoba in my head.
2: Yeah, and then moved to Ajax, and then have been in the Durham region.
1: Okay. And so what do you remember about this movie theater in Pennsylvania?
2: I remember there was a Boscov's next to it. A what? Which was a department store in Pennsylvania, so kind of like an upper-scale Kmart. Okay. You okay, know, but yeah. not quite a Macy's. Right. <laughs> it was like right in between. Um, the Boscovs Thanksgiving Parade. You've never heard of that? I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> Maybe in Pennsylvania. It's too early. I'm too susceptible.
1: Don't do that. Um,
2: yeah. The movie theater was next to a Boscovs where I got my first purse. It was purple and white, and I loved it.
1: It had to be like a little one screen theater now. Yeah.
2: It wasn't huge.
1: A Muppets is a good one to start with for sure. But I mean, like, you know, you're musical. So I, I, yes. that, that certainly shaped yeah. your, your whole character?
2: Yes. Wow, I am Miss Piggy through and through. <laughs> I identify very strongly with I feel her. like
1: that's a whole other show. <laughs> um, what is the last movie you watched that is not A Star is Born?
2: Um, Kai and I have been... Uh, well, we, we re-watched Black Panther. Ooh. So that would be the last one that... Um, yeah, when it came out on Netflix.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a little while ago. I've, I've watched it a few times since. I... This is dumb, and I feel like I need to actually share this with people. I don't keep all of the books that I read uh, because I don't have that much space. Um, So I went to a used bookstore nearby to sell off some of the ones that I wasn't really crazy about. And rather than take the money and run, as I was walking out, they've got a whole shelf of Blu-rays and DVDs. And I was walking by like, oh, look, they have Black Panther for cheap. And I bought it, and I thought to myself, this just hit Netflix like three days ago. Why did I just buy this? Mm-hmm. And why didn't I just take the money and run?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, I, I now own it proudly. <laughs> um, yeah, I've watched it a few times uh, since over the last month or right. so. But if you
2: have the DVD, do you, are you a commentary guy? Do you watch commentaries? and I all probably the should features? because I mean that's
1: that's now the, you have the, it. I was gonna say that that's the bonus of having them. I used to be uh, when when they when they first hit the market back in like ninety nine two thousand kind of thing. I used to go through like so many features, so many yeah. features. And I don't nearly as much.
0: Lately. I find
2: – because I used to do that too. But now there's just – there's so much content with Netflix and Amazon Prime. There's always something new coming out that I never spend – like I remember spending a month watching all of the Back to the Futures, all three commentaries on each of the Back to the Futures. Oh, wow. All of the spe- – like – yeah, I was also nursing Kai at that time, so I had a lot of time. <laughs> to kind of, kind of like
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you kind, kind of inspired me. Actually, I should I should do that with with some of the ones that I own. Yeah, at least I mean, like if, again, if I got them, that's part of the reason why I have them. It's become my little background watch. I think the the, the Marvel movies have lately, mostly because. That seems to be what's filling up. Yeah. A lot well,
2: of also I have a fourteen-year-old, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, but I mean, I, I
1: never, I never have a grip on your fourteen-year-old's taste. I feel like his tastes are eclectic. It's
2: yeah. He's gotten an older since, I guess. <laughs> I've met his mom. I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, what is one of the worst movies you have ever seen?
2: The one that I thought of immediately is Last Tango in Paris. I hate that movie. <laughs> Isn't that... I hate it. It's supposed to be...
1: Sexy Marley Brando?
2: Yeah. But I had someone who made me watch it, said it was amazing. I was bored the entire time. I just... I didn't care. Like, I'm very emotion-based. So, like, if I don't care about the characters, then I don't care about the movie. Like, I just wanted to check out, like, five different times. And I had to sit and watch the whole thing. And then afterwards... This was
1: a guy, wasn't it?
2: Yes. And then afterwards, (laughs) it was... I was expected to have a discussion about how brilliant it was and the cinematography and everything and I was just like, it's a shitty movie.
1: Last Tango in Paris. Um, tell people about this opus because I kind of feel like it's gotten lost in time somewhat. It's still a notorious title, but I, I, I kind of feel like it's, its place in the oeuvre has kind of gotten a little bit cloudy as we've reached the new millennium. Yeah. Tell people about this movie, like what it's supposed to be about.
2: I think it's supposed to be, it just felt really creepy to me. Like older man, younger woman, she never really seemed that interested. It just seemed like a super toxic relationship that was just for his pleasure only. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. No,
1: that sounds about right. But that's,
2: yeah. And then I watched it around the time that the whole butter controversy came out, how awful Marlon Brando was in this in in the filming of this movie, where like he wanted to like lube her up with butter or something, right? Yeah. right? Do yeah. you remember that? Yeah, I do. Like it was it was not a comfortable environment for the actor. Oh, the, for the right. actor. Okay.
1: Where well, yeah, we were learning like about what was going on like actually during the film Yes, right. Yes. Like
2: he was like basically saying like shut up and take it and like deal with it. Yeah. Like the film, and and like if you're not comfortable in those situations, like that's not a good working experience. And no. then it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I just, all that, that whole controversy came out around the same time that I was being forced to watch this movie because it was so amazing. <laughs> oh, man. And it would change my life.
1: Was like, okay. <laughs> Ch- change it for the <laughs> worse, it seems.
2: Maybe a little bitter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I have never seen it. I'm I'm. You've mi- never seen it. No. Really? I'm, I'm mildly curious, but I don't think I'm curious enough. I, th- I think its place is more indicative of its time than it is actually of it's it's mark on the landscape. Like, I think there's a lot of films like that now that we can safely pack away and say, if you didn't see them by now, you can probably move along just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm, I'm good. There there are other classic Brando movies and other, you know... E- like, even other icky movies, I think. And
2: have- honestly, I think that might have been the first... Brando movie I've ever seen oh really yeah oh. I, I can't think of another Brando movie Street that I've Crane seen Desire you've never seen Sh- it oh okay no. but uh, I've never I was not impressed I was just like this is that, Marlon that, Brando
1: okay that saddens me like I want to take this person and give them a shake because now they've like ruined Brando for you completely there are other ones that I, I would say are worthy to see on your own right you know, reconnaissance? Yes. That
2: I can check out if I want to.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so yeah, all right. Um, well, actually, speaking of, what is a classic or essential movie that you've never seen?
2: Um, so this one came up when I was just with your wife when we went to the Greece sing along. Uh, Which and we I were, did not go to. You did not go to. Nope. It was super fun.
1: Wait, would, it, would this be the Grease sing along or the Grease 2 sing along? Oh, no. the Grease 2 wasn't actually Grease a Two. Was, well,
2: it was. But it, but it into was them. It was a Grease 2 screening that turned into a, right. okay. a sing along, quote along, act along. Gotcha. It was amazing. But this was the recent Grease sing along. Gotcha. Um, at the Fox Theater. And uh, Lindsay and I went out afterwards and we were talking about her... one of her trips to New York to see shows on Broadway and she mentioned Hedwig. Oh, yes. I've never seen.
0: Wow. like either
2: the show or the movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, or man. Priscilla Queen of the Desert. And I feel like I always those are two that I always confused <gasps> oh, in my head. Hang on a second. I know. You it
1: I follow your Instagram. <laughs> you are surrounded by <laughs> copious amounts of gaming. I am indeed. Far too many for a single woman, men. by the way. You know, I think I know where you're going. My social wrong. life
2: is amazing. It My is romantic amazing. life, not so great. But.
1: <laughs> how in the world? Like, how, I know. Have not, like, not, one of them needs to take you by the hand and I sit know. down and it's, have a discussion. It's
2: always been both of them. And again, I've always kind of confused them, mixed them up together really? for some reason. I don't know the name. It's like. Um, Fleetwood Mac and Motley Crue when I was a kid, I always thought they were the same band. <laughs> like, clearly they're not, but there's something about both names that sounded familiar to me. So oh, man. Hedwig and the Angry Inch and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, I always, I think, don't know if they came out around the same time, like uh, mid-90s, late-90s? Priscilla 90s? was
1: earlier, like Priscilla was in, like mid-90s and Hedwig was 2001. For Lindsay I was you, horrified. I'm sure she was. And we're <laughs> learning more and more that there's a lot of people who haven't seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I, I, I think it kinda surprises us because it's it's kinda so big in our story, um, that we're like, How is this possible? And yeah. and, and because when we first met back in oh two, it was still a smaller thing. Like the movie like did not just do, a little cult. Yeah, the movie thing. did not do well. Right. So to see it now become this thing that got revived and a whole lot more people know about it and everything like that, it's it's kind of been trippy to, to see that happen. Right. Um I I, I, believe, I mean, I'm biased because I was going to say, I believe the movie's held up. I believe there's a lot still in it. Actually, I believe there's a lot in it that's become even more relevant because it talks about the whole nature of identity. Right. right? Um, because he, it, it's the main character's sex operation got botched. So as far as sexual identity goes, he's kind of all over the, he, she is kind of all over the map. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm sure there will be a screening in your future yeah. at some <laughs> stage. I'm sure I will be there. I am like the Grease sing-along. Um, so I look forward to that. Um, I, I do like also that you had a modern answer on that. It's It's been uh, 207 shows. I've gotten a lot of yeah. old answers. I, I like the yeah. modern well, answers. Well, we've
2: already established I have not seen any old Brando
1: movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> to include that of the answer.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Last but not least, what is a film that for any rhyme or reason you wish you had made?
2: Oh, I think you know the answer to this, Ryan. I and do I not. think you're dreading it.
1: No. Grease too. Oh, God. Okay, yes. so I watched that
2: have you seen it? yeah, uh, I feel like that was one of the movies that you were doing your what is it a sixteen minute veto your twenty minute veto it was the the
1: forty five minute veto it's actually a one it's a one act veto, okay, okay, so an average movie is about two hours so forty five minutes in right if I ain't feeling it, I'm going um that that's my that's that's <laughs> right, my rule. yeah and, and i have I, to be to be honest, I have only invoked the one act veto a very few times like newsies like newsies yes <sighs> um but Okay, so Grease 2, no you guys went to see the We went to screening. see a
2: screening of it, yeah. But yeah. when I was a kid, that was I saw Grease 2 more than Grease. My god. And that was my when we moved to that little Why? When we moved to that little reservation, Grease 2 was one of the only movies we had on VHS. So it's
1: just a lack of options. <clears throat>
2: I watched Grease 2, Labyrinth and Big over and over and over between the ages of 10 and 11. Oh my Okay, so and
1: but wait a minute. Why do you want to make that? Why would you want to be involved in that? And I mean, oddly enough, it is a female filmmaker.
2: It is, yeah, um, choreographer of Greece.
1: Yeah, Patricia Birch. Why?
2: Why? Why? Um, feminist icon Stephanie Zanoni. <laughs> it's just a complete reversal of Greece, where and I know Lindsay will fight me on this, where Sandy gives up everything about herself to become. Yeah. Danny's dream girl. Right. Gives up everything for a stupid boy who ignored her. Yeah. And made fun of her and humiliated her. Yeah. No,
0: you're and right. And I
2: know Lindsay will say, no, 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 she's coming into her own Like He unlocked that in her. But no, he didn't. Rizzo maybe showed her it was fun to be naughty. See, the good but thing Danny is she didn't. doesn't listen
1: to these. <laughs> Great. Uh, but then you get to Greece 2. But
2: then you get to Greece 2 and there's Stephanie Zanoni, who's a pink lady who doesn't care about having a T-bird for a boyfriend. And she has standards. She wants a cool rider. And she is just not settling for anything less. And standards are important. Yeah. And right now, standards for men are <laughs> the lowest they've ever been. Like, oh my god, you texted me after my surgery. It was a week late, but wow. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, um, and the songs, I think, and will fight anyone, that they are better. There's a whole song in a bowling alley, and it's amazing. I will give and you, they the are good song. Reproduction.
1: That's not a Teabirds good The T-Birds are, that oh, is... they're
2: great. They are great song are we including it's let's just do it for our nation fun yes i like it and really? i don't think it's rapey i it's don't it's very rapey it's not it's extremely rapey. it's not he's trying to convince her but she's she leaves <laughs> he doesn't like actually lock the door and keep her in there she's just misunderstanding what he's saying he's thinking she's going along with it like she's like yeah let's do it for our country and she's thinking let's go to war and he's like i'm gonna get laid this is great
1: I mean, like, when you say it like that, it does have your sensibilities around it. I can certainly see your stamp all over this thing.
2: Yeah. Um, No, I absolutely, I love that movie. I just think it's pure fun. And I don't think it's bad. Like, I keep watching it, because first I would say it was my guilty pleasure movie. Yeah. And then after a certain amount of time, I was just like... I don't feel any guilt about loving this movie I didn't hate I it. don't I,
1: I like I I, 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 know, I know I'm shining it on saying like no you guys go whatever <laughs> I, I didn't for for what I thought I was getting into it was right. <laughs> it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was gonna be no it's not um, and, it's, and it's not even actually bad I think it's just that because the original is so iconic it's not if it was titled anything else actually yeah. I'd probably be like hey this is amazing yeah. But to see it as this kind of weird step cousin to this other movie, it, it's in in its weird step cousinness, it's it's actually really cool. Um and as you said, like flipping the script and making it about this badass chick who yeah. doesn't give a crap And then about, the boy
2: doesn't give up everything good about himself. To become like he doesn't start smoking and stuff because Isn't she he wants selling a essays. Am I
1: remembering he's,
2: that he's writing essays for the T-birds right. and he gets enough money to go to a scrapyard. He buys motorcycle parts. He builds layered. a motorcycle. He learns a trade yeah. and a skill and becomes the best motorcycle rider that Rydell High has ever seen. Your
1: enthusiasm is her. coming through so hard and That's because amazing. he's
2: he's like okay this girl has standards like yeah. there's no point and unless I can reach her standard and right. he he betters himself. For, like, Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie yes. is stunning. is not it she's, one of her first roles, too? Yes, yeah. She's like 18 or 19. Yeah. She's literally glowing. Like, yeah. she, that's like a star is born.
1: Yes, for yes. For Greece, really. too. Okay, yeah. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. And again. And
2: also, Adrian's med. <laughs> when he swallows that cigarette. That's Se- my sexual awakening, right there.
1: <laughs> that and David Bowie. That and David Bowie. Right, yes, it's <laughs> a very therapeutic show, people. I hope you're taking notes. Um, there we go. That is a lot about Lisa. And I, mean, I do mean a lot. A lot. Um, <laughs> ordinarily right around now we would go into the new slang and talk about the uh the main attraction uh for the episode however we're going to kind of turn things around this time around because we're talking about all the three main versions of a stars born we're not going to talk about the 37 original um just i don't know why because just time probably and there's a what there's another one that actually has a whole other title that we're not talking about either we're talking about the three um ones that are kind of the the totems if you will um so we figured we might as well take them in order uh come on right back after this we're going to do the other side our First one, A Star is Born 1954, right after this.
0: The night is bitter, the stars have lost their glitter, the winds grow colder, suddenly you're older, and all because of the man that got away. In
1: 1954, a star was born. It was directed by George Kakar and its stars Judy Garland and James Mason. The star is Esther Blodgett, a song and dance actor trying to make a go of things, and one day she is drawn into the orbit of fading actor Norman Maine. Maine sees the star quality in Blodgett and plucks her from semi-obscurity to become an actor in the Hollywood studio system where he is under contract. Soon enough, the pupil has eclipsed the master and a star is born. Did you watch this for the first time for this show?
2: Yes, I had not watched any of them.
1: Any of them? Okay, cool. Um, I thought there
2: was only one. uh, I thought I thought Barbara Streisand might have been in one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, How did this? How did this first one
2: work out for you? I loved it. Okay, I loved it. I'm a big Judy Garland fan, and I'm I am surprised that I didn't even know that this existed. I identify as a gay man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Please
1: continue.
2: Um, I um, that whole era, Judy Garland is just so transcendent. Um I just, yeah, fell in love with her. Like, she was completely captivating. And I did watch the 37 one. Okay. And the difference between the two lead actors was just amazing. Like, actresses, like Judy Garland and Janet Gaynor, was just, like, Judy was just that is a star.
1: That's is that your milieu? Those classic Hollywood musicals. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, yeah. You know, I, like
2: Easter Parade is something I watch every single year. Really, no matter what, just for Peter Laurie's fur coat. But that's ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. I but and, and and then I thought like a Star Is Born is essentially Easter Parade, but with a happier ending.
1: Yeah, you I know? mean it's funny because on the one hand it is very much in that same style of those classic Hollywood musicals, but on the other hand I kind of feel like it has a lot more weight than a lot of those uh, classic musicals because it seems to be leaning a little harder on the story than those ones. Um, I I tend to quote uh, Drowsy Chaperone and I say that in a musical, the story doesn't matter. It's usually just a device to get from Mm -hmm. one song to the other. This, I believe what makes a lot of these movies work and certainly what makes this one really work is that it's very much about Esther and Norman's story about her ascent and his descent And the way the songs are woven into that is bloody genius. In in all three of these movies, we're going to talk about the the main tune. And, you know, you could argue what the main tune is in this version of A Star Is Born, but I would say it's this unconventional showstopper in Act One, The Man Who Got Away. When I heard that for the first time, I was just floored. Mm -hmm. When I say it's an unconventional number, the actual structure of the song, it's this really kind of like slow squeeze box ascent into this like not even a belting chorus but this moment where she just wails and then drops back off and comes
2: back up and drops back off she's captivating i don't know how else to like judy garland's on the screen and i can't look at anything else all of this there's a song in it that's like 12 minutes long or something yeah crazy
1: yeah but i mean that number specifically because that's in each of these, we're going to have a moment where the fading star meets the rising star. In all three of them, it's, it's actually a great scene. But that one might be my favorite because it's this amazingly staged scene where the club is kind of after hours the stools are all turned over she's just singing to the band, with she's the not band. Even, yeah she's yeah. not even singing. it's no cool it's thing. like
2: they're just in their own little world and he's eavesdropping and just kind of well you have that
1: don't you like when you're <clears throat> doing shows and when you're hanging out with your musical friends you're doing something different than if you were performing for an audience you're kind of just performing just for playing yourselves.
2: with each other yeah
1: and it's a whole other emotional response isn't it of course. I, I don't have that that's why i'm yeah. asking you
2: when you know you're in a place with your friend and and they're all talented and you can just play with them and there's no pressure. You're not expecting.
1: Are you trying to show off or is it like a safe space?
2: No, it's a safe space. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been to like, you know, I have friends who host piano parties and they'll have a piano player and then like everyone will come in and sing. And that kind of gets a little bit like, well, now it's my turn and right. like, I'm going to sing now. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fun too. But it's a different vibe than if you're just like, do you know this song? Like play that song. And then someone else comes in and right. they're, all of a sudden you're singing harmony and stuff like that. Yeah. So
1: it's kind of trippy that that's when he sees her because she's almost at her most vulnerable, but at the same time kind of showing the most metal.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh,
1: it's nuts. No, I, I love that song. I, I might argue, I, I'm sure I'd get like smacked down for this, but I'm sure I would argue that is like the Judy song. Um, although, you know, this is a movie where we get Swami later on. <laughs> but you mentioned already, midway through this whole show, we get this crazy moment, which I think defines this movie for me, where it's a number, it's it's kind of a number within a number within a number. Um, so the moment that the star is born in this film, after she's really groomed, and we'll get back to that in a second, um, we get Norman and Esther going to watch a screening, uh, like a preview screening, back when they did that kind of thing. Um, And while they're watching the movie, it's a movie that they're watching where she is Uh, she's like ending a number on stage and she tells the audience about her upbringing. So we hear her singing about it, but then she's singing about her coming up and singing. Right. I don't know. Maybe you do. I don't know of any other shows that really do that kind of a nesting doll thing.
2: Like a musical inception?
1: Like a musical inside a musical. You know what I'm saying? I mean, to a slight extent, Singing in the Rain Or maybe American in Paris, but this one goes like one more level. Like like you said, Inception. It goes one level deeper in the dream. Yeah. That was Greece
2: too does have that moment where she sings at the talent show and it goes in the turn back. Whoa!
1: Um, that That end of it was was where I was really floored with this. The end of the musical number? Watching that whole sequence because it's it's really emblematic of her her grooming in the system and her rise and like, you know, I was born in a trunk and whatever in in Mm -hmm. Iowa something. Um, I never, I don't think I really ever seen that in a, in a show. I don't, I don't don't even know how you would do that on a stage. Like that's one of the things where I think that this musical as a film is, off the hook.
2: I remember when that whole like because it's like twelve or fifteen minutes. It's a long, long that sequence. Whole thing. Yeah, when that ended and then it was them like leaving the theater again. I remember thinking like, oh right, like that was like I had forgotten that that was, that was part of the movie yeah. and the movie. Yeah,
1: that's and that's where the movie like goes to intermission. Actually, like that, that's a great act one. Yeah, ending. like
2: ahead of its time.
1: Was there a moment in the movie that really jumped out for you? Yes. What?
2: When. She's having her breakdown, and she wants um, her manager to bring him back out on the road with her, or in the movie. Put him in the movie. Yeah. And she's upset, but they need to, like, do it again, so they start playing the track, and she has to get right back into it, and you just see her so distraught and upset, and then, like, she just, like, that snaps right into it, and all of a sudden... She's on. Yeah. And that was just like, and almost heartbreaking because you just feel like that's really what she was going through, you know, with all of her struggling and everything like that. Like it was just the most pure moment. Yeah. I, I rewound it to watch it three times.
1: I was thinking about that actually, because I feel like this is the movie where that is really played up the most of where, you know, artists have so much shit going on. Mm-hmm. Right in their own personal lives, like we kind of forget about that. We we've kind of come to this place in celebrity culture where we forget how much these people are actually putting into things. Like, mm-hmm. We think because everybody's famous so easily now that there are still famous people who are really creating things that make the rest of our lives better. And in the middle of doing all of this, they still got their own shit going on. You know, like I don't know about you. There's sometimes where I'm having a bad day and I just like pull aside into the office. I'm like, just leave me alone for like 15 minutes. They can't do that. Yeah. There's like millions of dollars and hundreds of people who are stopping Count, And, and yeah. yeah, to watch that scene, she's so raw and frayed and threadbare in that moment. I think they, there's like two makeup artists that are trying to fuss over her. She's like, can you guys just... Yeah. Please, you know, And the
2: track starts playing and it's her voice and she's not lip syncing along yet. And she's just like kind of still in her own sadness and turmoil. And it's so split second and mm-hmm. it's so... Like I believe her when she's struggling and I believe her that she's like the happiest jazz hand lady in the world. <laughs> like, like So good.
1: Okay, so this one, of course, hangs on Judy Garland and James Mason. Um, it, this is an interesting one of the three because it kind of tips back to what you were saying with um, Last Tango in Paris in terms of the dynamic between the two. Like James Mason is really old. Mm-hmm. and Judy is, I think in this movie, she, I, I looked it up, she's about 34. Wow. Yeah, um, which I mean, first of all, I feel bad saying this, but, I mean, Judy lived hard. Yes. Okay, so to look yeah. at her, like, she's the oldest looking 34-year-old. <laughs> yes. She, she, which is not to say, like, she looks...
2: No, but in 54, 34-year-olds looked a little older, too. Yeah, they, I mean, you she, it was just a
1: style. Yeah. Right, like, if you if you dressed her now like a 34-year-old, she would look, she'd look normal. Right. How did that work for you?
2: I didn't feel a lot of chemistry with those two. I do like James Mason out of all three movies, I think that character, the way that, that the movie went along I, he didn't seem like he was struggling the most with alcohol and like he oh, didn't no? I, to me he just I just felt like he, they didn't show it as much.
1: Okay,
2: I feel yeah
1: uh, I, I got that from him, especially how he shows up. Like, he, he shows up... What what does she say? Norman Maine is feeling no pain?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> he shows up and he is just... Like, you, you could, like, smell it on him, I'm sure. Right. And he, he he is the one who... Like, he... Damn near ruins her number uh, by basically just kind of bumbling onto the stage. And she finds a way... She kind of finds a really clever way to diffuse it and gets smacked for her trouble. Mm-hmm. But I... This was the one where I felt like the least comfortable because it seemed you're right, there's not much chemistry between them. It seemed either more mentor mentee or like like mentor fellow or itchily father-daughter. Right. You know? And, and I mean that's emblematic of the time.
2: He follows her home and, like, kisses her and stuff like that. And in some of the versions, that seems like, yes, I'm invested. I can see this happening. And in that one, it was just, like, everything always seemed to be moving too soon. Like, because they're just, you don't feel it between them. Like, oh, he's just, he's followed her home? Okay. Yeah. Oh, they're getting married? Yeah, okay, I Like guess. All right.
1: And I- even when they're married, like, there's a whole number where she, she performs for him, like, the number that they're doing for the show. When, when After she becomes a star, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, here's what we're working on. Let me play it for you. Let me play the, the, recording, the, the rehearsal record, right. and I'll, and I'll yep. sing it for you. I feel bad saying this, but it almost feels like a daughter performing for her parent.
2: Hmm. The desperation for his approval mm-hmm. coming from her, that I believed. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Which is sad, because yeah. at the time, she's huge, and he's really on his... Yeah. Like, you would think it should be the other way around.
2: When you're in grade nine and the grade 12 is like the coolest person in the world. And then when you're older, that person is not cool. Like there's still something. Like yeah. Something. So it's like this guy was a movie star, right? you know, when she met him. So even though she's now,
1: she'll always see him that way.
2: I think so. I would like, that's, you know, yeah. you get that kind of yeah. connection.
1: That's true. I think as well, more than the other two without kind of getting too far ahead of ourselves. This one is, is kind of sad for me in the way that it's not, a star is born so much as a star is made like this is the one where there is the most amount of shaping and grooming of Esther and they th- this is this is the one where they change her name she mm-hmm. becomes Vicky Lester, Vicky Lester right and they're like okay oh well may- maybe we can do something about her nose and maybe we can do something about her cheeks and you know she they, she gets like dragged yeah. by her heels through the whole hollywood system um i mean I'm sure that's still a thing. The Lord knows it was a thing back then,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it—it it was. It's sad to see that here's somebody who, like we said, started the movie, blowing the doors off her contemporaries, yeah. singing,
2: yeah, genuine you know? talent, yeah, like, genuine but it's raw like, talent.
1: But it's like that's not enough to right. make you a star. Yeah. He says. That there's that little something extra. He he he's like, have you ever seen a prize fighter, or have you ever seen a fish, like, like a fisherman get pulled? There's that little something extra that only comes within them, and then we go and contradict it by putting self tanner on her. Like that, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of gross to watch. No? Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Like she has that whole scene with like the makeup, like, and he's like, take off those eyebrows, like they're ridiculous. You right. Know? And
1: she was under the lamp a little bit too long.
2: Yeah. And he's just like, take off everything. That doesn't seem out of the ordinary for me because I feel like that happens still all the time. To- yes. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. So I, I can't, I can't say that I actually felt disturbed by it or like this is wrong because like it's wrong, but it's just kind of one of those things that you just kind of like, yeah, except.
0: Yeah.
1: Like it, it does come up again in the, in the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and I, you watched I know you watched, in your in your homework for this thing, I know you watched the Lady Gaga <laughs> yes. drink, And I think she kind of talks about that as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, absolutely. As, as far as like her image and branding is concerned. But yeah, it's, I think that might be one of, in a movie that's actually deceptively sad, because this is a dark movie. Yeah. That might be one of the saddest things. Yeah. It's like, here's somebody who is just ungodly talented.
2: Well, and it's one of those things that, I'm sure affects women more than men. I uh-huh. think men are allowed to be just naturally talented and to go about writing their music and performing with whatever image they already have. But women have to be sexy and they have to be beautiful and they have to appeal to men and,
1: and not be over whatever, like 34 or yeah, whatever.
2: Yeah, Or, or exactly. even 30
1: sometimes. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like She's, she's 32 in this movie and they're playing her down for like, for early twenties, right, right, yeah. So, well, um, but I, as far as the three go, um, I, I like if, if some if this is somebody's entry point, I think they could. It's a really great entry point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as far as the quality of the movie, I believe it stands up. Um, everything about the actual story, I yeah. think, is 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 baked in there. So, like, if if somebody just started and stopped with this, right. I think
2: they could do yeah. I did think it was a little long. Did you see the one? with the restored I liked that footage yeah. with like that was strange. I was just like what is happening? Did I download the wrong movie no, no, from yeah, iTunes? Yeah. <laughs> like what? Because yeah, I guess they lost the footage and then re-edited it with stock footage of like just the photographs that they had cuz they never did find it Yeah, and which, with the voiceovers.
1: Yeah, and 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 some like kind of B-roll stuff. That actually I that endeared me to it more. One I can't imagine the movie without that because it shows he basically promises her that he's going to uh, fi- come back and find her and, and hire her and yeah, yeah leave your band. You know, like we can make this work. Just right. leave, them, leave them be. We'll make a go of this. And he goes off and does his movie, and she's like, she's working a car hop, yeah. and she's taking commercials and whatever. And he's working a movie, and he's drunk and almost kind of half forgot about mm-hmm.
0: her.
1: The whatever version of the movie went out without that whole sequence, which is now restored in terms of still photographs and voiceover and whatever. I don't think that would make sense.
2: It would miss a whole chunk of their relationship yeah. as they're trying to, yeah. Like it, it already didn't have a lot of chemistry. Yeah, <laughs> so if you're not I'm, even showing.
1: Yeah. That, it was weird because like to see it in that way, that actually endeared me to it more. I like that that's done that way because no other film of the era is done that way. Right. And like, I mean, even the rest of the movie isn't done that way. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of gives it this cool spin. Yeah. So yeah. No, it's it's funny because it, some people may be put off.
2: Right. Well, yeah, I was just, I was very confused for a while. It's like, did
1: I, t- did I have a Have I features? been drinking
2: too much whiskey? <laughs> like what? Nice. Um, well, I think we can
1: both say that if you've never seen the 1954 Stars Born, uh, you really should um, prepare yourself for some dark shit once you get to Act <laughs> Two. That's kind of an Act Two thing, isn't it? In yes. most musicals,
2: Act oh, yeah. Two is a bummer. Act Two, yeah. Just
1: leave it in Sometimes just
2: stop. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but come on back after this. We've got more stars to talk about. We're going to go to 1976 after this quick
0: break. The Queen Bee, baby. Pray that you may be left on you. Uh-huh. Now that you give, you're going to outlive you. Uh-huh-huh. Uh-huh. But the Queen Bee's
1: never going to be alone. We are, uh, in between takes, we are munching on uh, macarons, and let me tell you, folks, this is the part of the podcast that you all miss out on. So good. <laughs> in 1976, a star was born. This time, it was directed by Frank Pearson. It stars Barbara Streisand and Chris Kristofferson. The star is Esther Hoffman, a cabaret singer trying to make a go of things, and one day she is drawn into the orbit of fading rock star Norman Howard. Howard falls hard and fast, for Hoffman finds a way to incorporate her music into his, incorporating her into his live show. Soon enough, though, the pupil has eclipsed the master, and a star is born. This time, had you seen this one before, or mm-hmm. no? Okay, so again, you I just knew,
2: or I thought I knew, right? Barbra Streisand was involved somehow with the Star Is Born*. But again, with me confusing things, always thought *Funny Girl*. Oh man! And *A Star Is Born* is kind of the same thing. I know. <laughs> Very sheltered.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean,
1: this was the one that I watched for the first time for this show okay. that I hadn't seen before. Uh, how did this one work for you?
2: I believed the chemistry. Yeah. And I had read that they hated each other during the filming, which did is really? interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Well, according to IMDb trivia, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's on the um, internet. It must be it true. It must be true.
2: Um, I believed the chemistry like crazy. I loved all of the Barbara Streisand songs. Hated every single Chris Christopherson song. Thought he was crazy hot, but hated the music, like his music. I just, I just thought he was awful.
1: Wow. Okay. So this is fun. As a musician. This is fun because here's where we disagree. Okay. So I, I was very late to the game with Barbara. Okay. Mm -hmm. Barbara growing up for me was always a star that people my parents' age loved and I didn't get her. Right. Okay. So then over the last, I'd say, four or five years, I started watching some classic Barbara. I started watching Funny Girl and I watched The Way We Were and What's Up Doc. And then I kind of started to get it. I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm watching I'm watching Wayne Gretzky play as a 22-year-old now, right? Yeah. right? And yeah, I'm seeing, yeah. okay, that's why. Yeah. And I, suddenly I got it. And then I got to A Star Is Born and now we flip back into the version of Barbara that I didn't like and didn't get. Gotcha. This is kind of where that tipping point right, is. Right, right. And so Barbara isn't a thing for me. That era of classic rock, like the Eagles and Ario Speedwagon and, and Yellow and those kind of things that Christopher is kind of
2: evoking, evoking yeah. those
1: so that, that moment in rock where country and rock was very, very interwoven, mm-hmm. that's very much part of my DNA. So I was digging his music.
2: I love that music too. I did not, not like, like him, him or, oh, or that stuff. Shit. I did not buy into him as a musician. And I know he's an actual musician. Yeah. Nope.
1: You weren't, you weren't taking Into
2: it. the whole homeless man aesthetic, but yeah. not into the music at really? all. Really? Yeah.
1: Because I was thinking, I was like, I would like to go to one of these concerts. And you're yeah. like, no, no. out. Mm-mm. But you would go to the Barbara concert. 100%. You'd go to Esther.
2: Yeah, I would go see Esther. <laughs> name and <laughs> life. <light. laughs>
1: I mean, it's funny because I think in this film, the structure actually works best because that whole grooming part of it that we were talking about of it's not just enough to be talented, you also have to... Look and whatever. That's actually really left out Mm -hmm. um, of this one. It's just Esther can sing, so put her up there and let her sing.
2: Yeah. And she goes out on stage in her like crocheted vests and stuff. Yeah. And like there's nothing ever really done to make her like glamorous, you know, quote unquote. And
1: she has that curly um, fro.
2: uh, I love her hair in this movie. Really? I love that fro. Oh, man. I I, I was having a hard time. It's iconic. It's like. I mean... That's Esther's thing. Like, who needs to change that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did love Esther's character. I will say that, even though I'm saying I don't like her music. I loved her character. I love the way uh, she's always changing the subject and he calls her on it and she's changing the subject. This is a whole different way where the drunken star stumbles his way into an act, but she does something very different than what Esther Blodgett does and she basically... She kind of like Calls, calls him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like puts she's very
2: aware of it, and it's just like what. Yeah, at, are you fir- doing? at first
1: she's just trying to play through it. which, yeah. Have you ever have you ever had that happen at one of your shows? Where
2: um, I was in a production of Cabaret once, um, where there was a guy in the front row who kept talking to the person next to him, oh, and it's no. just kind of like you know without breaking character and without breaking the fourth wall, just kind of raising your voice a little louder and <laughs> but like. Things were coming out angrier, and of course, I have a German accent, so everything already sounds angry. <laughs> and just trying to like deal with that, but I mean, there's always things like that in live. We had a trumpet player fall asleep on stage in the Kit Kat Club in that same production. Holy shit! Yeah, that was that was something. <laughs> that there production.
1: needs to be an oral history of this
0: production. Of oh Canada. yeah, and he's
2: on stage because he's part of the Kit Kat Club band. Yeah, and just and he was a he was an older gentleman. And uh, it was frustrating because yeah. it's just like you're on stage and I can see you and so can the audience and yeah.
1: you're
2: like yeah. falling, asleep.
1: falling asleep. And I mean, it's it, it's it's mm-hmm. wild because um, Chris Christopherson, he just kind of stumbles into this place uh, mm-hmm. at, the, at the beginning of this movie. It's not like, like Norman Maine was supposed to be where he was. Christopherson just kind of you know looking for a bar looking yeah looking for any bar that's that's open and serving yeah and and draws attention as a star of his caliber would and completely draws focus so I love she starts out by basically putting the mic into his conversation yeah like do you want this yeah um, that's yeah. bad that's bad and else. obviously
2: like a, a play is a much different environment than a live performance of musicians that but, can just kind of well
1: actually you know, what I love about that scene is in a lot of ways that is a tougher go Because at least at your show, listen, the the guy who was talking at your show, he's an asshole. But at the very least he knew what he was getting into and that was why he was there. So he's kind of breaking the contract. In these bars that like she's performing, it's it's a fight, yeah. right? Because you have some people who are just there, like him, just because they want to drink. drink. Yeah. I saw a comedy show recently where a friend of mine was doing it, and the whole front end of the bar was trying to listen to the act. The back end of the bar had no idea that that was even going on, and they were just, right. talking, just talking away,
2: talking super loudly. Yeah.
1: So, and then of course she does the whole thing of you're blowing my act. That comes up later. I, that that part of Barbara's badassery, I must admit, I really no, do I do.
2: enjoyed their banter for yeah. sure. Yeah. They yeah. seemed like they were having fun. Yeah. As a couple, yeah. or as a new relationship. yeah,
1: And that really informs this whole movie, because Barbara and Chris, I mean, their, their chemistry is amazing, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Um, 70s melodrama as it is. Yeah.
2: But it was very hot. <laughs> it was very hot. Hotter than Judy Garland and James Mason. Yeah. And the father-daughter dynamic, very for, much, for sure. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know what the age difference is here. It's certainly not as pronounced. No. Uh, as, as it was in that one, um, you know, it, it's it's the '70s, so things are a little bit less tame now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're able to like get into a bath with with them, and yeah. and she's wearing. Actually, I, I feel I feel kind of apropos because she was wearing her Superman t shirt today. I'm wearing my <laughs> Superman t shirt. Um, she wears it better, I must say. <laughs> Watching their relationship, it's very '70s soap opera now. Like, I kind of feel like if we showed it to somebody younger, they'd be like, "This is corny."
2: Yeah you know yeah
1: the, the the bath with the candles on the beer cans well yeah right that's yeah a little <laughs>
2: like okay you're a rock star Esther's first performance of the was it Woman in the Moon Woman on the Moon mm-hmm. that was just like I was like you know chin in my hands just like heart eyes just watching just like I love this
1: you're, you're Nelson Muntz watching Andy Williams on The Simpsons
2: <laughs> Yes, didn't I didn't even think he was gonna do Moon River tonight.
1: <laughs> is it surprising that these stories are actually more about the dude? Cause in all three, it really is much more about it's it's actually not so much how a star is born as a star falls. Right. Especially in the second act. Is it is that is that surprising given the packaging of these three movies?
2: Is it surprising in Hollywood?
1: <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> I know that's what I say. Like I, I think I answered my own
2: question. But yeah, but like, yeah, you're completely right. Everything that happens to her or that she does in any three movies is a direct reaction to his actions. Yeah. Like and, everything and, is a reaction. But in
1: in each of these movies watching act 2 is all about that the 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 you know the tutor bumbling and falling and his tragic demise. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And and yeah watch we're but I mean pulling attention. It's not it's not even so much watching Judy or Barbara or Gaga rise. We're always spending more time with Cooper, Chris, and Mason yeah. and their shit.
2: Well, I mean, the title, like, everybody knows, like, okay, she's going to be a star no mm-hmm. matter what, right? So then it's just kind of, what else happens?
1: Yeah, I guess that that's <laughs> the thing that I was surprised at was I kind of felt it was going to be more about her rise and, like, and her prominence and yeah, kind of coming back to him sure, but not as much as we do. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's going to that, that will be what throws people about the new one. And in both of these, I think especially this one, this one it really seems to hang on Chris a lot. Yeah,
2: yeah, agreed.
1: The thing that I don't buy about this movie though is their musical styles do not go. No, right? not at all. So that was the hard part for me to get into. Like, did you buy that?
2: Why would he be interested in a like a jazz R&B soul singer.
1: Adult contemporary, you know, Linda Ron Stante. I I thought when I was watching this, when I was coming into it, I assumed she was going to be, I hadn't heard any of the music. Had you? No. Okay. So I assumed that she was going to be more um, Janis Joplin-esque or early Bette Midler-esque. That kind of more...
2: Folky. Like that that kind of meld of
1: pop... Adult G- contemporary,
2: safe, generic. Yeah,
1: I, right. I, I kind of felt, or, or Dolly Parton. I kind of felt like she was going to be in that, in that really? million. I did. I really like. I, I, mean, that was. I knew what Christopherson's music was. Imagine
2: if there was an '80s version of this with Dolly Parton. Oh my god, that would have been so great. And Kenny Rogers. Yes.
1: Right. Oh my god. Why wasn't there an '80s version with Dolly know. Parton?
2: But it, that's Ugh. the whole thing. Is it's not that kind
1: of music. It's it's Barbara doing her very uh, wedding songy stuff which I didn't buy. I I didn't buy why he... I I mean, I thought why he would be drawn to her just on pure talent. Mm -hmm. But then when he stumbles off his stage and goes, okay, you go play. You know, like, you go, this audience is, I'm losing them,
2: you go get them. Yeah, they'll love you. Yeah, I'm like, that audience would have tore her apart. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't buy that I don't buy that about any of these movies, at least the last two, because it's like, no audience is ever excited to hear a new song when they're right. like, "Hey, here's someone here's uh, yeah. someone new doing a new song, like what?" Yeah." <laughs> no, I've never seen an audience. But I mean, ever. In this one
1: especially, I really didn't go for it. And that, and that becomes the star yeah. of who she is. She's like, when she's like singing in front of like the neon name and she's rising, she's this is the tipping point of Barbara where she leaves the funny girl thing and the way we were thing behind and becomes the, the, the woman that like my parents dug. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that was the hardest part of this movie. I bought their chemistry, I bought the aesthetic, and I bought everything else. But the music in this one, including like the main song, like we were talking about. In the previous movie, we were talking about the man who got away, and we'll talk about the song in the next one. The main song in this one is this tune called Evergreen, mm-hmm.
2: which
1: I, I literally fell asleep.
2: It's pretty. No, it's not. I think it's pretty, it, but it's not, it's not super memorable. No, it's but not like our like parents love that shit. Yeah. But I is, prefer Woman on the Moon. Like that song to me was like the song right. of the movie.
1: You know, it's, it's weird to hear that about that song now because I believe a great song holds up. And, the, and and there are Barbara numbers that I think I mean even as much as it's not my thing I can see the appeal of the way we were right, right? yeah this course. is not the way we were no
2: it's it's not yeah. did she write that
1: yeah she wrote it with Paul Williams Paul Williams like we we started the show talking about the Muppets he wrote Rainbow Connection oh that's what I'm saying this is not Rainbow, Rainbow Connection, Connection right is like the greatest movie yeah, it's of like, all it's time like, guy what the hell right yeah I I don't I mean it's it's the weird part it's the it's it's the hardest thing about this movie because everything else about this movie I love. Right. Um, but I can't get behind that part. It's it's the thing I think is going to be the hardest for anybody coming into it the first time like we were. Yeah. I okay. um,
2: I also didn't like the ending of this movie.
1: Because? It was ambiguous. In what? Remind Him.
2: me? He drives off.
1: No, he doesn't. He died. No, he Wait.
2: No. Yeah, but they don't. It's not a deliberate. They don't make it clear if it was a deliberate.
1: I felt that was deliberate. Really? Yeah. Maybe I had the first one in my head. But I, I felt that that one... It's
2: not quite as deliberate as walking into the ocean. No, no, okay. Well, this is <laughs> Which okay. is very dramatic, yeah. and I didn't like that either, because just like, who would... Ch- what?
1: No, I, I bought that he was... Just even because of the scene that comes before it, where he's really weary, and his tone has kind of dropped. And we saw that with James Mason, too. It was actually kind of a heartbreaking scene, where his tone has dropped, and you can kind of see he's resigned. I guess that was why I bought it, because what came before. Right. But but for you, it was just kind of, well, he... like, did like.
2: He's just driving forever, and that movie too, I thought was felt you just, long.
1: You just thought he might have rolled. As
2: soon as the ranch part started, it was just like, okay, yeah, like, can we? Yeah, we get, like, uh, yeah, okay. no, that, that
1: part of it needed to pick itself up. Yes,
2: off. and then just the driving, and then it's like, is he going to drive until he finds the ocean, or like, what is,
1: <laughs> And take a walk. What's
2: happening here? Uh, and
1: okay. then it's
2: just like, oh, but you never really. Never yeah. makes it clear if it was an accent or... If
1: this one is of its time. And I kind of feel that might be one of the things that, that's going to work against it is the, the more generations we get away from people who have a working memory of late 70s, early 80s, the yeah. more this is going to be hard.
2: Well, I think they all are very set in their time periods Absolutely. which is wonderful which is why there should have been an 80s version so, a 90s version with Justin and Brittany
1: now now, now you're talking you're, now you're all pulling of on and talking crazy what's in your coffee um all right well that is 76 stars born we are going to get into the new slang right after this come on back we got another star to talk about don't want to feel another time new slang is A Star Is Born in 2018. It was written and directed by Bradley Cooper, co-written by Eric Roth and Will Fetters, based on the previous scripts we've already detailed. It stars Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, Dave Chappelle, Sam Elliott, and a whole host of other cameos. Once more with feeling, the star is Ally, a cabaret singer working a shit 9 5 job, and one day her audience includes Jackson Maine, a country singer-superstar fraying at the edges. Maine is drawn to her talent, in the story he believes she has to tell the world, and is soon playing one of her songs in his act, bringing her on stage to sing with him. Soon enough, the pupil eclipses the master and a star is born. There is a documentary, which you may have seen or may not, out there called The Aristocrats. No, I okay. Where we listen over and over to dozens of famous comedians tell various versions of the same joke. The point of the film and the point of the joke is that the punchline isn't as important as the rhythm and the cadence of the person delivering it. You and I, Miss Ferreira, have spent the last few weeks listening to comedians tell the same joke over and over, or more accurately, singing the same song. So, pop quiz hotshot. Is A Star is Born like a good joke or a good song? Is there something about the way it's told and the way it's sung that finds something new in the rhythm and the cadence?
2: I need more coffee.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're a performer and stage shows by their very nature are meant to be produced over and over and over and over. Film is different in that it's, it's a solid state. It's a finite finished piece. But now we've got one that has been remade over and over and over and over. And every one of them seems to work in its own little way. How is it doing this? How is it? telling us the same story that, as I said, that you and I saw, we knew every beat that was coming, every single beat that was coming, and I assume you still enjoyed yourself. How is it doing that?
2: Well, like I said at the beginning of uh, our conversation, uh, I'm a very emotional person. Mm -hmm. And so for me, how I take a movie is very much related to if I care about them.
1: What you're reminding me of is a story where your heart will get broken by someone specific so you know using cabaret i always think that sally's story is really tragic is is just exceptionally tragic in terms of how talented she is how frayed she is how she could be something big but she's really she finds a way to, to damage a lot of other people and in this time where just everybody's getting pulled apart that i will always be drawn to that story esther and i mean in this case jackson we know where they're both coming from and we we know where they're both going to go. We mm-hmm. really know where they're yeah, both going to go for this sure. time. Yeah. And yet you're still drawn into it. it. it's is it saying something about that's that's the whole point is you love the song and you will always be drawn to somebody who wants to sing it.
2: Yeah. I love this
1: movie. Really? Yeah. Why this one more than the others?
2: Um I felt the chemistry was more like Really? Oh, More than Chris and Barbara? More than, Chris, more and than Barbara? Chris and Barbara. Really? I just... I was not a Bradley Cooper fan at all before this movie. And okay. now I think I'm a fan of Bradley Cooper It's the now.
1: beard. I think he... Maybe. He,
2: like, you know. like, you know what? The only time I ever liked him before was when he played the raccoon. So maybe he just needs to be <laughs> furry. To be free. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will like him. No, but I really... I've, I've never bought him as an actor. Okay. Like, he always just seemed... A little fake, a little sleazy, no matter what role he was playing. There he was plays, something he, about him. He plays him. a douche really well. Yeah. There was just something about him that I've just never, has never connected with me. But this movie, from the very beginning, when he's just out there, I was just like crying. Hmm. I cried through this entire movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. It didn't help that, like, it started with a Mary Poppins trailer. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just like, ugh.
1: You, you were primed. Oh my
2: God. Totally bought Bradley Cooper, loved Lady Gaga, never felt long. I never felt like it was dragging on the way the other ones, both of them, did to me. Really? Yeah. Wow.
1: I, I never... I felt the drag in the 76. I felt the drag when we're watching uh, Christopherson really fall apart. And I think it was mostly because that's when we're going full And I'm like, oh, get me out of this. What have I signed on for? Um, but this movie, I think I would probably still come back to the 54 as the best but this one I would say is probably my favorite if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Usually when you talk about people like the best movies and your favorite movies, they don't always line up. Um, I like this movie a lot. I I wasn't as drawn to Brad as you were. I did like what he was doing, but I liked the actual structure of them and the way, I think what I liked most about it is what we did get a little teeny bit of in the 76 version, not at all in the 54 version, is watching artists create. Mm -hmm. This is the one where by Far, you watch the most amount of songwriting. Yes, and you are more far more musically inclined than I am. I have no idea how that works. So watching them,
2: yeah. How does that sound to you? Yeah, yeah. Like, that, oh, I hear it like this in my head. And,
1: yeah, watching that in this movie, that is given the most amount of time. It's given a little bit of time in the Christofferson version. A
2: teeny. He sits at the piano a few times. Yeah, it's not.
1: Yeah, I, but I, I felt like there was one scene where they were pulling a song out that then goes nowhere you know then it's like oh sorry we got to sing evergreen now (laughs) Um, but in this version the musical process is given the most amount of weight like everything from the handwritten lyrics to what yeah like you said how do you hear this and and you're hearing her just kind of spouting off that kind of thing that for me was the bigger draw um but i mean they they got good chemistry gaga this is her second go of acting how was her acting for you i loved her oh yeah
2: yeah I thought she was very impressive.
1: Do you watch her on American Horror Story? No, nope. I've, I've never seen her. act I've before. never
2: seen her act. I'm not a super big Lady Gaga fan. Like I, all of her singles, of course. I'm a, like, I'm a Gaga fan. I, How I've are never you bought. I've never bought an album. Come on, you're a gay man in a
1: woman's woman. I body, am,
2: but what? I have not. <laughs> I've never bought a Gaga album huh. um i appreciate her i think she's incredibly talented yeah i loved watching the documentary five okay. foot two yeah but i still couldn't help but feel like there was still a performance aspect to that you know mm. it's supposed to be showing you the real gaga but i don't know i feel like the she's documentary. Just, the documentary yeah. but i feel like she's such a performer that some of that was put on mm. if yeah. that makes sense yeah
1: like there's a camera around so she's still not you know, completely, completely letting unguarded. her guard down.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Even though she's dialing it back now, we're used to seeing her in the like the lace masks and the you know the 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 caution tape completely dress and the, the dress top. made out of meat. Yes. right. Like she is she's a performance artist as much as she is a musician. Yeah, and she's dialed that down over her last few records, but we're really watching her as herself in this movie and. I feel like that is kind of a performance within itself of to not hide behind those gimmicks because the gimmicks are part of her whole shtick.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: I don't know if her whole act of being self-conscious and self-aware and she's a lot of times where she's hiding her face and even though she's immensely talented, she's not entirely comfortable in the first few times where she goes on stage with him. I don't know if that felt forced or not. I I went with it, but I could sometimes see her forcing herself to remember what that felt like.
2: I like the justification juxtaposition of how she was singing the French song in the drag bar which Mm. I love that drag queens were part of this movie of course you do I love it Um, but that she's singing La Vie en Rose and she's completely performing and is out there and she's got the you know she has like a look that she like made and I like that's very Lady Gaga right she painted her hair black and she pasted on these eyebrows and all of this but that's not her own song that she wrote Mm -hmm. so I believe that then when it's her own song and it's Literally thrown at her with no rehearsal Mm -hmm. to like come out in front of this giant stage, um, which I don't know where that was, but it felt like it was the Hollywood Bowl, which I felt like if that was, like that was a nice nod to the 37 version.
0: Maybe. Because there's a
2: whole thing about the Hollywood Bowl in that, and it looked like the Hollywood Bowl before all the people came out. Right. And I was very excited about that. Oh, and when she sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow, Under the Tunnel. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I was like, for Judy. Yeah, I believe that. What is happening right now? Like, I just got on a plane. I was just flown here. And now, all of a sudden, he's pulling me out to sing the song that we've not rehearsed. Yeah. I sang it for him in a parking lot yeah. <laughs> without any accompaniment. Yeah. And now I'm going to go out and we're going to harmonize? Yeah. Like, what? We've never talked about any kind of arrangement. He wrote an arrangement last night, apparently. Yeah. But, like, what?
1: I, I think I... Bought her in her quieter moments. Like, I bought, I bought the, I certainly bought the two of them in the bar and I bought them in the parking lot where he's wrapping her hand with yes. peas. And let me tell you guys, if you ever want to get in with a girl, <laughs> wrap her bruised hand that's with peas. That's all I'm looking that, for. I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's a good move. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's, if you had that one in your hip pocket, that's a really good and move. And Cheetos too. And, yeah, exactly. And Cheetos for your driver.
2: No, I, I bought the whole progression of her career of, of the going from singing in a drag bar to all of a sudden singing the song and then to the gradual like when she's singing at the piano and she does a song on his tour and then everything else that happens I felt like that is a very clear progression of what would yeah. happen yeah. and what happened to her probably you know like with yeah. the whole manufacturing and image and yeah. you know like you're super talented but that's quite not quite enough.
1: It was wild to watch someone who has got to be like the embodiment of confidence like I would give my right nut to have even a tenth of the confidence that this woman has right. to do what she does. Like, no, and we've we've already established it is more than about just talent. Mm-hmm. She she is no question she is talented, but she has done some of the most bizarre, unforgettable images and performances in pop history that take a lot of waybos to pull off. Yeah. Just even just to actually. Put out there to say, yeah. okay, so I see this as I'm going to get carried onto the stage in an egg and I'm going to come right. forth out of the egg and sing my song and they're all going to love it. And yeah. you got to imagine the whole room's going to be like, what? Yeah. You know? but or Like she- I
2: can't just walk a red carpet. I have to walk a red carpet in a black veil and then I have to unveil yeah. myself. Yes.
1: Yes. Bring me the dress yes. made out of meat.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. And so, so to see somebody that confident strip it all away. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible performance just on its own to yeah. see her probably most as her that we've ever seen her. So it's kind of weird because we're, uh, we're asking her to be herself, mm-hmm. probably for the first time in her career.
0: Ever. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And this movie itself, as far as the actual structure goes, more than the other two, it, it actually kind of feels like it's a skipping record. Whereas the end of every track just kind of skips into the next track and skips into the next track. We don't get this gentle movement of scene to scene to scene, I felt like we were constantly kind of skipping, not around, but we were st- certainly skipping forward, but I felt like that was actually, it suited them because you remember, when you think about your relationships, mm-hmm. you'll remember... Don't this make mi- me. I, <laughs> don't make me. <laughs> oh, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> but you'll remember this date and that dinner and mm-hmm. this party and that night you got together and this moment. You, like, you, you don't remember how you got from one to the other to the other. Like you were talking about... Like
2: where she's in... Um, she flies out to the concert and then the next minute she's in her bed. Yeah. And then he's all of a sudden there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like that kind, of, that, saying, yeah.
1: that kind of jumping around, it's not really a gentle... Like there's no... There's never a moment where I feel like a scene is like gently like left out. Sometimes we gently go in. Right. But we're never gently ushered out right. of a scene and given those transitions that we certainly get in the first movie. Yeah. That first movie is very classic in its way. This one...
2: True, like all of a sudden Dave Chappelle's there.
1: Yeah. But even just the way we're listening, like we're, we kind of always seem to be a little bit closer than we should be. You know, like where we seem like we're very much in, not just in the room with them, but we're like at the table with them. And sometimes that almost made me feel uncomfortable. Like I'm like, I'm hearing shit I'm not supposed to be hearing. Sam Elliott's got an interesting role in this movie as his brother, his manager the witness to who he was. Mm-hmm. We don't have that in the other two. We no. don't, you know, we get Norman just bumbling and stumbling, and we get Christopherson as his as his haggard way. He's got this interesting little part because he's kind of warning Esther. Or Aster. He's kind of warning out. Al- Why wasn't she named? Yeah,
2: Esther? seriously. <laughs> uh,
1: he's kind of warning Allie what she was getting into. He was this father figure to mm-hmm. his brother. He's a manager. He he clearly has a musical tone in him. Um, was he like, you, you dug that whole inclusion?
2: I totally did. I felt like that 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 made the Norman Jackson character so much more fleshed out than the other one.
1: Because somebody's witnessed him?
2: Because you, you hear about his, his backstory, like whether he's talking in the AA meeting to, was it Ron Rifkin? Yeah. Yeah. About, you know, his, his childhood and the episode when he was 12 and what happened. And then you have the older brother who's been with him all along and you hear about his back. Like you just, you There's more to him than just, I'm a star and I'm an alcoholic, which I feel like the other ones were. Like, I'm a rock star, so I just get drunk all the time. Or I'm a movie star and I have a problem with alcohol. Where this is just like, oh, he's had, like, a troubled life. Like, his mom died in childbirth and his dad died when he was 13. And his older brother, you know, and I felt like it really fleshed out that character so much. And I think that maybe that's why I like Bradley Cooper the best in that role, because it just felt more real to me. And I believed... Why he was struggling so much, Mm -hmm. you know, like there was a reason for it instead of just.
1: There was a witness there to who he used to be. Yes. You know, like as these life events come along, they change you and they shape you into somebody slightly different. Yeah. And there was somebody who's. who's, Saw
2: the potential. Yeah. And.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was. I I mean, I, I, I liked a lot because I kind of felt like it was where they were setting it up. I uh, I felt like they were setting it up that he was going to come to loggerheads with Ali,
0: mm-hmm. right? Like
1: I kind of felt like there was going to be some sort of tension or some sort of disagreement between them.
0: Yeah.
1: I liked the fact that he's around, he's, he's a, she's around, and he talks to her and respects her just like a normal person.
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, it's really refreshing. But yeah he he it's never even just the first time they meet and she, you know she goes to the bathroom to like freshen up before they hit it
0: right yeah and
1: he, she comes back and he's out and, and his brother is basically putting him to Taking bed. care of him yeah and she's like and he's like he's out he's gone yeah right? like just go do what you're gonna do but he doesn't talk down to her no. that that's a that in itself is a really interesting yeah. dynamic yeah you know and even in their career he when when their their musical paths split, and it becomes more about him being the supportive partner to her career. There's no tension between them mm-hmm. at the time of, well, what are you doing? And you used to be like, yeah, you, you were a lesser movie. I feel like would have done that. Yeah. The other thing that's cool about this movie is it's kind of meta because it plays with the pop image and it plays back to what we were talking about with, um, with Esther in the first movie really needing to be shaped, mm-hmm. right? She spends a lot of time in this movie talking about her nose yeah, my nose is too big. Yeah. And everybody, every every room I've always gone to in my room is the nose is too big. And you were saying earlier about how it's never enough just to be talented. You really have to look
0: mm-hmm. the right
1: way. Gaga has even said that herself. She's like, I've gone into meetings where they say, my nose is too big, my tits are too small, my ass is too flat, and yeah. I just can't, yeah. can't make it work. So this movie plays with that. Like they did
2: that ever get too much. I thought they were going to make it into more of a negative thing. So it was interesting to me that she was fully defending it, which makes sense because it's very much like when she does the SNL performance, it's very much like kind of Lady Gaga, over the top dancing outfit, you know, Um, probably more just classically sexy Mm -hmm. than she got. Like she says in the documentary, you know, every time they tried to make me sexy, I would try to do it in a roundabout way, you know, like just be so abstract and different about it that it wasn't just... Like, here are my tits. Yeah. <laughs> but I really thought it would be more of a... Like, that she would fight with her manager about that image. Like, that's not... She got rid of the dancers, but she still went up and she danced in the tight little outfit. Yeah,
1: and her hair is orange. Her hair's and she's, bright orange. Her, her makeup is very different. She's wearing Super some. different,
2: yeah. I preferred the, when she's sitting down at the piano yeah. on stage singing that song was just like, I'll, uh, you know, remember us... Always remember us this way or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just... Like, that to me is, is more captivating than a dancer. And what was the line like? Why'd you come in here with your ass like that? Or why'd you bring your ass to me? (laughs) But I like that she defended that when she was in the bathtub and he came in and they had that super intense fight. Yeah.
1: Um, that was certainly one of those moments where I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. No,
2: that felt very real. Like yeah. that moment where you're just saying exactly what you know is going to hurt the person the most. Yeah, that is you know a nasty, so well.
1: nasty fight just between like, two people. Like, yes. You can just see them like digging deeper and digging deeper. Yeah, um, uh, yeah but the, as, as far as the pop image goes, the one thing I actually liked about the way they play with that is in, in again, in this meta kind of way, it actually reminds us what makes Gaga stand out because that performance that she does on the SNL stage Which kind of fits more into like what somebody, and I don't say this to knock them because I like them, what like Katy Perry does or or Taylor Swift or Ariana Grande does, it's okay, yeah, like you said, here are my tits and we're going to play this bouncy song and I'm just going to sing it and here's all the dancers, here's all the lights. (laughs) And it shows how Gaga, even in her own weird way, finds a way to always turn that on its
0: head. Yeah.
1: Right? But in this movie, it's... Yeah, you can be you can be talented, and you can even be successful because she's successful when they start singing "Shallows" and she sings that yeah. song of the piano. She's already on her way, but it's like no to really make you a star, we gotta make you a little bit more plastic because yeah. that's what people are gonna buy. This kind of thing you want to do, it's not gonna sell. It's great, and you're good at it, but I think we can do other shit. Yeah, which is weird because her the manager guy who latches onto her and really helps her get into the stratosphere. He says, "I think you have things to say. I think we can do good things, but in order to do that, he has to to change everything about you." Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah.
1: it's nuts. Yeah, oh, I think we should go blonde. I think you know it's, and I I don't think it's a fluke that he's the one who ultimately sends Norman. I
2: Hated that. Really, that's the one part I hated that it seemed like he's the one to push him over. Where in the other, you hated that happening, or you? I hated that happening. Oh, I. I much prefer the other versions where it seems like he kind of comes to the conclusion on his own. Like, I feel like he just got out of rehab. Yeah. And this guy's like, it's only a matter of time. Like, okay, devil on my shoulder.
1: Those people exist, though, no? Like, I- you know, the, the 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 sibling who says too much or the ex who won't go away or...
2: Sure, they exist. I just, I hate that in this incarnation of this story, that it was an outside, like a oh. third party yeah, yeah. is the one to make him realize or think, believe that he's never going to clean up his act. He's never going to be good enough for her. And he just, yeah, like, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. I hope that guy feels awful about himself.
1: Because he'd be the only one who knows, right? That he said that? That he said that. Because there was nobody else in the room. No. Yeah. He's got, he's got to
2: But like, he basically took off his own belt and like gave it to him. Yeah. Like, here you go. Yeah. Just make it easier on all of us. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and I know I'm guilty of giving people way too many chances.
0: Yeah. But.
2: I feel like he just got out of rehab. Like, Give him, you a, know, yeah,
0: let, yes. let, let him play when, this out when, a little bit.
2: When he does have supportive people around him, like his brother genuinely cares about him. He's got Ali who genuinely cares about him. Yeah, and then there's this one asshole.
1: You know where you're right. I think I would have bought it more if it was his brother. I think, or 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 her father. I think I would have bought it more if it was somebody who was more personally invested in her life.
2: Right, her right. happiness, not yeah. just her career yeah. and how it benefits. Okay, that's, him. that's, that's yeah. yeah,
1: that's a really good point. actually. Yeah. Um, we've got (laughs) in the background of this movie holy shit did I not expect this crap we have Andrew Dice Clay as Lady Gaga's father (laughs) and what I loved about him in this movie first of all beyond the fact that he's just (laughs) Andrew Dice Clay (laughs) yeah I mean like it's like you know look up some class people if you don't know who Andrew Dice Clay is just like YouTube him Uh and then compare him to what you get in this movie but I love that he was the one to talk uh, to bring up the whole stardom thing and say that it's not just about talent. That he's like, you know, you look at Sinatra, there were dozens of guys that could sing better, better than, than him, Sinatra, yeah. But he got out there and he had the eyes and the suit and the everything. shoes. And he I love that he, he says it in a way that's almost resigned. Like he says it in a way that he's like, I, I I recognize talent and I recognize what raw talent is, even in my daughter, but I know that sometimes even that's not enough. Yeah. It's it's gorgeous and it's it's amazing the way he plays it, the way he comes in and out of this story. We didn't have that in the other two. No. It's, it's beautiful.
2: No. I love that whole, everything about her home life that was in this movie that we didn't really see before. In, um, the little Greek
1: chorus of drivers. <laughs> yes,
2: I know. I love that. <laughs> love that. Laughing at him when he's like, I sing better than mm-hmm. so not, Paul mm-hmm. Anka said to me. Yeah. And again, that fleshed out her character too. Like you see like she's with her dad and she knows all these guys and. It grounds her
1: more than I think it grounds the other two. Like the other two, they show up fully formed, but they're, they're, they show up also just very isolated. Like, I think that's the thing is they the other two guys seem like they're saving her. They're elevating right. her. Yeah, and she they're, has
2: her friend with her the whole time yeah. in this movie, which yeah, she is she has nice. a life.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: she's happy with it. She'd like more. Yeah. Uh, she'd like not to be yelling at men in bathroom stalls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but she's, if she, I feel like if she could go another, whatever, five or ten years doing just this, she'd be very happy. Mm-hmm. You know, she's very working class in that way. And and seeing her father as part of that, um, you know, they they've got a nice little chemistry with it it's, yeah. it's it's kind of a nice inclusion in this movie yeah
0: um
1: we have to talk about shallows so we talked mm-hmm. about evergreen and we talked about the man who got away um
2: is this where we do our duet
1: i mean i was singing garth brooks on a boat this time last <laughs> week so I'm, I'm i'm in there um this is an incredible number
2: oh my gosh i so i bought the soundtrack before i left my seat in the theater mm-hmm <laughs> I loved every single song in this. The Bradley Cooper stuff, their duets, all of her stuff. Not so much the SNL pop song. Yeah. I just, I loved it. But Shallow was just like stuck in your head and just, it's such a good belter. Singing it in the car on the way here.
1: It's like, it's it's amazing to see, again, the progression of a song just from like a little lick in your head. And, or, or a couplet of lines into something. It's an idea. You know, I, don't get me wrong. It never jumps as far. We, there, there's a scene or two missing where they fully form it. But it, it, for me as somebody who cannot write music, it's really cool to see how just a kernel of an idea can turn into something
0: huge.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, I thought, really amazing to watch the song in context. The song was really used heavily to sell the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the the this film was sold on a few lines of few lines of maybe it's time and then into shallows, getting them just like letting loose and belting and all that jazz. But seeing it played out, certainly seeing it played out that first time fully. That's kind of that's kind of thing you don't get in a film all that often.
2: No, that's um, like a real movie moment. Yeah, like capital letters and lights. Yeah,
1: <laughs> watching the way their styles mesh, watching the way he takes what she did and singing as a guy cuz i like i always like hearing cross gender covers i like hearing women sing songs mm-hmm. that are wrote, written from a men's point of view and vice versa so i like that he goes out there and he's like uh, you know the, uh, uh, yeah it's staged wonderfully they let the whole thing play out properly um she just runs right into it it's an, it's it's a great scene and a great song yeah. it's, it's we're not getting these many original songs written for a movie like this one no she wrote it with mark ronson there we go ah. um so as far as you know but <laughs> you know i mean what i love about that is that that tells me that this is a is a movie that's like taking no chances it's like right. let's here here is a hit yeah let's yeah. let's get let's get two of the best musical creators out there right now put yeah. them in a room and see what we come out
2: with yeah
1: it's yeah i got chills i still get chills Yes. Yeah,
2: i cried it's just
1: better than cats Oh, God. <laughs> it's I, I felt like that was the, mo- the moment where this movie really paid homage, certainly to that first one. Like this is, again, let's put Judy in a room and just have her blow the doors off. Mm-hmm. This was, let's get these two people together and show how their music comes together and, and really yeah. fuels their relationship. This yeah. was the one where I feel like their relationship was really born out of an artistic balance yeah
2: and their music was very similar at the beginning of the movie yeah. unlike the 70 version yeah I,
1: yeah that's the thing like she sings on her own i'm like okay i get i get why his fans would like hearing what you're doing yeah
0: you know yeah. this
2: totally makes and sense and even lovey on rose i felt like he's just appreciating her as a performer and like acknowledging the voice yeah you know like no matter what that's obviously a different performance than a current performer would you know yeah be singing
1: um we get now to kind of try to play my earlier point again we we get this neat discussion towards the end of the movie where Sam Elliott says, you know, um, he used to have this saying where he said, Every song is the same twelve notes in an octave mm-hmm. and it's all up to the singer how you hear it. those twelve notes and what you have to do with them. Do you do you believe that? Oh, one hundred
2: percent. You believe I I've tweeted several times every once in a while i will have that thought because we had a music teacher uh miss clark that i had with Lindsay, um who always said like just music like there are only 12 notes in existence like only 12 no- and that blows my mind every time i think about it for more than two seconds mm-hmm. like holy shit and every once in a while it will come into my head and i will like tweet something about like no oh, just super moved about music again because it's like only 12 notes. so when he said that in the movie i was like yes it is and he put it more in like a you know, and then it repeats, and then it repeats, and then it's a cycle that just keeps happening. And kind of put it into more personal terms, I think, for Jackson.
1: That was the moment where this movie is really acknowledging that it knows exactly what it is. That we are singing the same twelve notes in the same octave that four other movies have already sung. Yeah, and it's up to just us. Repeating. Yeah, it's up to us how we're going to sing it for you. Now, you may have seen those movies; you may not have. It doesn't matter. But you know, again, you and I, we watched this story three times. By the third time, we should have been just like rolling our eyes and, all right, buddy, go yeah. do your thing and sure. you know make sure you leave the dog a steak. Um, but we but like no. we we really should not have been as invested in this one as we were because we watched the three of them all in such short sequence. It's really it's like seeing three productions of cabaret right. in a week. Yeah. And yet, because these singers sing those twelve notes this way, it's still so affecting. It's kind of yeah. on its on the surface. It's crazy to consider, and yet yeah. here we are. Um well we end every review here on the matinee cast with um a souvenir something tangible or intangible that you would take away from this movie and keep if you could Lisa Ferreira Stars Born 2018 what's your uh... my takeaway yeah
2: we're going to sing shallow one day, Ryan. You oh, I,
1: I, I, you know what? I really, I would love to. I would love to. I, 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 I can hit it. It's in my rage. I can, I can, I can you? and you've got the hard part. So. I'm Done. on the
2: deep end. And nice. watch as I dive down. I'll never meet the ground.
1: See, I love that you do that. And that's staying it. Now it's your part. It's so good. The now. There you go. Uh, my takeaway is uh, Charlie the Labradoodle.
2: Oh, my God. I read that was Bradley Cooper's real dog. Is it really? Yes. Holy
1: shit, I want that dog. That dog is a teddy bear. He's amazing. Oh, my God. It's I, I need that dog. I I felt like the, I mean the dog has one of the saddest shots in the movie. I know. I, I love that dog so much. I love that. The whole had,
2: audience in my theater. Aww. Every time it was just like he's so cute. Like I
1: mean, the, I, one of the things I love is I can I love that we can see time passing the way Charlie gets bigger. I know. <laughs> um, he starts off as this thing that he can pick up with one hand. Um,
2: yeah. When they were playing outside. Yeah. yeah I read that. Right?
1: I I need to because I, I waited
2: that. for the credits. I said Charlie, Charlie.
1: Yeah. I need. Oh, I, I need know. that dog. I definitely need that dog. We rate here on the matinees cast on a scale of one to four stars. Lisa Ferreira, what do you give 2018 Stars Born on a scale of one to four?
2: I'd say three and a half.
1: I'm on a three. There's times where I really love this movie. There's other times where I feel like it's a little lost. Um, I I feel like it could have been a wee bit shorter. And I really want just one time to be it less about his fall and more about her ascent. Um, There are things I like that it did differently and there's a couple moments where I felt like it was too beholden. So it's really, really good. And it probably will grow in my estimation. It's got the best music.
2: I just, I know I will watch this movie over and over oh, and over. Yeah. Where the other ones, I wasn't immediately like, gotta watch that again. Yeah,
1: I will, yeah, again. Like this, is this my one favorites. I want to watch again. Yeah, I'm going to listen favorite. to
2: the music. I'm yeah. going to sing shallow at karaoke. I'm going to, you
1: know, like... <laughs> Oh my god, there are gonna be so many karaoke videos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so tired of that. It's like frozen all over again. But for grown ups. That is episode two hundred seven of the Matinee cast. I would love to thank Lisa Ferreira for coming by. Come on back on Monday, October 22nd for episode two hundred eight. We'll be discussing First Man. Lisa, if you're into Toronto area is performing soon. Um, and plug your shit because people need to see you sing more than just two bars of shallows.
2: Oh, well, I'm in uh, Curtain Call Players' production of The Wedding Singer, playing Linda, who leaves Robbie Hart at the altar and then you comes bitch. back to try to seduce him. Uh, it's amazing music. We run November 2nd to 5th at Fairview Library Theatre, and you can get tickets at curtaincalltoronto.com.
1: There will be a link in the show notes. Uh, and if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you?
2: At Mom of Kai.
1: Nice. nice my site is matinee.ca for more audio content you can find back episodes by going to the matinee.ca slash podcasting you can also find them on spotify uh, i'm really excited <laughs> that's
2: really exciting <laughs> you
1: have no it idea is. i've been trying so hard pocket <laughs> cast stitcher radio blueberry apple's podcast app google play and the itunes store everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop feedback on any of the versions of a star is born can be left in the comment section of the site you can email ryan at twitter where I'm matinee underscore CA or facebook.com slash dark matinee. Lisa, any final thoughts?
2: Just that I loved how they kept that line in every single version. Just want I just wanted an another look at you. It I, makes me cry every time. I see, and I, I always thought I'm like, is, isn't it kind of icky? No. You're like, oh. Uh, oh
1: you want, okay. All I
2: want is a man who gives me peas on my hand and says, I just, <laughs> I just want, want to another take another look, look at you. At you. Uh, That's
1: a good final <laughs> thought as any for Lisa. I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.